We the bestest cast with the left twist. Fat, fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox Trot and the Get Down, White Sox, Dave, Kenny, Carkey, and Dante. Happy to say the fucking boys are back in town. Kenny, Dave, I missed you motherfuckers. Let's start with you, Dave. You've been all over the place. You were in Boston. You were hunting turkeys and shit. How you been, buddy? I'm I'm beat, man. I'm mentally roasted, and I, I realized it, but I didn't realize it. My arch nemesis plural are in town this week the yankees are in town so all those greasy gabagool fucking italians from manhattan and shit are gonna be all up in my dick for the next four days should i take that 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 as an offense like you're just out here trashing italians no here's the thing you've seen the black white supremacist episode of Chappelle show i'm assuming right (laughs) so my whole life like i just thought i was irish pretty much just a pasty ass irish kid and uh my brother and sister, since my mom's adopted, she we always just went by what her adopted mom is because she was adopted at birth. My brother and sister did the what is it, 23andMe or whatever it's called, like the genealogy shit, and they found out that we have, like, traces of Italian in us. Oh, and it, like, broke my fucking heart. But it also let me say, like, Greaseball and Dago and shit, so. <laughs> now you can be completely racist against fucking Italian. Exactly, <laughs> because I am one. Somewhere Dante's just shuddering. He just heard the word Dago and he's like, oh, God. Uh, Kenny, how are you, buddy? I know you've been all over the place as well. How, how are things? Same, same, man. Busy, busy, busy. Fucking fried to the core, but happy to be here with my bros. This motherfucker, I've seen Kenny putting up Instagrams. He's setting up cribs and car seats yep. and shit. What do you got, two months? Dude, I've got, yeah, I've got 11 weeks left. So, yeah, a little over two months, two and a half months. Cribs, car seats, fucking mattresses. I also have construction on my house starting on Monday. Three full-time jobs, a podcast. Shit's fucking... And he even makes music sometimes. He finds time to make music. Actually, yeah, I just just bought a new drum kit right before I fucking uh, jumped on this podcast. I'm excited. What'd you buy? I'm going with an electronic kit. Yeah. Ooh. What a, yo, hang on. You see that back there? Don't yeah. judge my decisions. <laughs> uh, I just purchased the Roland TD17 KVX kit. So oh, nice. Start to use uh, soft synth stuff with it and whatever. It's super geeky shit, but I'm really excited. I literally just pushed purchase and then clicked on join Zoom to this. Beautiful. <laughs> well, congratulations. Speaking of geeky shit, dude, I'm finally this week, I'm doing something that I've wanted to do forever. And Kenny actually helped me with it. Uh, Foxtrot is releasing, it's a, a group of demos that are from my iPhone, just straight, the original recordings, the first time I ever ran through a song, straight to the iPhone. Uh, it's called Work Tapes. I've always wanted to do this. And I finally just said, as Kenny has taught me, don't be so fucking precious with your art. Just put it out. And I'm so excited to release this out into the world. I actually have a video series idea I'm going to pitch you guys that I'm putting together um, that I want to do this with other artists. Like have them bring the original demo and show the finished song. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but I'm going to cut an episode of it next week. I love week. that. And, yeah, and I mean, that's just endless. Kenny, do you, do you have the original recordings of Sale? Like the original, like, like first ideas? I have a couple. Yeah, like, you know, Sale we wrote in 2008. iPhone had like just come out or almost was about to come out. So I have the Pro Tools sessions and like MP3s of like instrumentals, different chorus like a couple like that's what i'm talking about yeah cars on it like those types of demos well that's what's really cool and as a songwriting nerd like i love this shit like our song secondhand sorrow which we put out two months ago i have the original one it has a different chorus 
I'm singing it, not Erica, so it sounds like shit, but it's like that overall, like, you can see the beginnings and where it wound up, and I can't wait to start putting these together, and I have a couple artists in mind that I want to do this with, but I'm super fucking excited. There is uh, a fitness song that I'm working on right now, strangely, that I just can't fucking figure out the mix, but it's called Calling All Destroyers, and I found the original iPhone demo from it, and I used it as an intro to the song so it's max and an acoustic guitar doing the chorus once and then it comes in full drums and guitar tell me people wouldn't lose their shit for content like that yeah awol did that too uh i think on megalithic symphony jump on my shoulders i think at the end this is getting deep at the end of the last song on the record nights of shame which is a 14 minute song the little secret track is the demo iphone demo for jump on my shoulders bro we need to come up with a name for this video series and just start shooting them because it's really easy to do sit down in front of a computer we can bang it the fuck out but we'll get to this later let's wait go wait hold on i got a question on all that what, what do you mean iphone demos explain that like you're let literally me, fucking me, recording dave like do, you pushing know, rec do you know on the iphone they're called voice memos these things right here Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I record every single demo, like when I'm writing a song to send to the band through my iPhone. So yes, every yeah. single, yeah. I got you, yeah. Right here. Every songwriter uses one of oh, these. For so yep, these dude. So, yeah. Dave, what I did was I went through and I found from June 15th, 2017, the original day of that I wrote Secondhand Sorrow, and I had Kenny bounce down a mix of that bullshit version that sounds like ass but we're putting it on Spotify so people can hear what the original thing sounded like versus what the final version is. I fucking love that. That's, I, that's a great idea. Well, so I then I want to, I want to do for our podcast, a version of that where we go to bigger artists and say, okay, revivalist, do you have the original idea of what wish I knew you was? And then, mm -hmm. Show us the final one. What changed? Why'd you do that? Like, how did this happen? This is a gold idea, dude, and it's fucking easy content. I got a bunch of these things up my brain. And it, that that's like the that's perfect content for like the lack of a uh, tension span that everybody has too. That's what I'm you know, because it's not it's not like some thirty minute video series like which is a lot of the shit that I put out. That could be done in like a seven minutes, minute video, seven to ten minutes, dude. Yeah, seven ten minutes, dude. Uh, We'll get to this later. This is an off-air conversation. But regardless, <laughs> yeah. we have a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. We are in a golden age right now in modern music. We are lucky to finally be able to start talking about real shit happening. It feels like the pandemic era of music is over. We're back to getting real shit done. And before we get into segments, I wanted to shout out our guest today. I have an amazing interview with Ben Thomas. Ben Thomas is Lil Uzi Vert's engineer. He's Grammy-nominated, multi-platinum. He's done stuff for Bieber, Jasmine Sullivan, so many other people. Ben's a Philly guy was so lucky he called me he's working with Lil Uzi on his album in LA right now he's working with one of the biggest artists in the world zoomed in great guy great interview we're going to get at, into that in a little while but before we do Kenny the moment has come new Kendrick drops tonight at midnight Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers how are you feeling buddy what are you expecting yo I'm a I'm so excited that song that he already dropped last oh. is incredible it's, it's so good it's oh. so fucking good but, dude but but you know, Dante on the thread the other day was like, I don't know that it'll be J. Cole's record. Ooh. Right? And I was like, and so I went, I got thinking, I was like, I remember that record being really good. And I went and listened to the whole thing again off season, like 10 so times. So good. So good, dude. It's going to be up that that's like, it's J. Cole Kendrick this year. Like, well, here's my question. And I have this in my notes, right? Are albums back? 
because we've had this random string of albums that people have been super, super, super excited for. The new Arcade Fire album just dropped. We got new Kendrick. We got new Action Bronson. We got new Future last week. And people are excited about the full bodies of work. Are people actually getting excited again for albums? Four songs on the top 10 of the Hot 100 right now. Crazy. Also, you could say that albums are coming back, but listen, look at the bands you just named, rattled off, right? Like, true. that's some top tier shit. Yeah, it's true. I guess for developing bands. I'm a huge Axon Bronson fan, but like everybody else that you mentioned, like anybody would listen to full records start, start to finish. Well, yeah, so I guess for developing bands, it's still a singles game until you get people who want the demand of your record. But like, I just feel good that I'm excited for full albums. And uh, actually, uh, Dave Chief, your boy from Chicago, turned me on to a new artist named Zach Bryan who is fucking sick. And I just wanted to shout that guy out because I love him on the podcast. But, like, I don't know. I'm, like, rediscovering a lot of new shit again. Like, I'm amped on music, dude. I'm fucking pumped. Wait, Zach Bryan, is he country? Country, yeah. She's like Sturgill Simpson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so that's, like, where I draw my... I got a very fine line. Like, Luke Bryan, Kenny Chesney's got a couple good songs that are catchy. Like, I don't really like any of that shit, though. But, like, Sturgill Simpson... Turns like Troubadours, like yep. American, Americana, like bluegrass. Yeah, fucking that's my shit. So you're I'm, gonna be I'm all in. You're gonna be hype on that. I'll I'll uh I'll get him on. Because I'm sure Chief Chief's got a good way of uh he'll blast like endorsements for it could be anything, people, products, whatever. And then he'll just be flooded like by the people's handlers and shit. He like, blogged oh, we'll it, dude. He blogged it. So, dude, sp speaking of getting flooded by shit, I'm really excited. Next week, we got our boys Arkells coming on, who the fucking biggest band in Canada legit played the Grey Cup Super Bowl halftime show last year. Great guys that I know from a couple shows. I've told stories about those shows on here. They're coming on next week, and that's going to be a great fucking convo. But I digress. I'm pumped for the fact that the Kendrick album is here. I'm pumped for all the new Arcade Fire album is so fucking good. And I just tweeted about this like two days ago i put it in my what the fuck we've been listening to video the new miranda lambert album which sounds like yo people have been hitting me up like ew what the fuck miranda lambert dude it's weird and cool and luke dick who's a, a, a reoccurring guest on the podcast wrote and produced a lot of it and it's fucking gnarly dude kenny i even think you'd like it hey do you want to know something that i don't care about miranda, miranda lambert, lambert. <laughs> yeah, yeah you guys want to know <laughs> <laughs> go ahead tell me yeah, is there any Miranda Lambert records? <laughs> You're such a fuck, dude. You're such a fuck. Dude, go, go. I actually got to use that joke earlier. I was on a Zoom with somebody, and they were wearing, like, a Casey Musgraves shirt. And they were like, I was like, who's on your shirt? And like, oh, it's Casey Musgraves and this, this, and that, and blah, 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 and records. And I went to this concert, and I go, yo, you want to know what I don't <laughs> <laughs> you're a terrible human dude but no i'm excited we i can't wait to do a breakdown next week of the kendrick album i can't wait for all the deep think pieces people are going to be writing about this album i'm hype i'm glad it's actually here um other than that like before we get into the interview i don't know if you guys saw what happened but two of the biggest stars in rap were arrested on legit fucking federal rico charges did you guys see this shit yeah i saw it mm -hmm. young thug and gunna both, literally two of the biggest artists on earth, come down with 56 counts of a RICO charge, including conspiracy for murder. Yeah, don't make me like them. Don't make me like them. Like, my first thought when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is probably some, like, mistaken bullshit. It's like old white people being like, I don't get this hip-hop stuff. Like, like, fucking see what's going on here. Dude, you read the charges. That's some real shit. Like, that's wild. 
Like, I'm kind of blown away. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. And if anybody needs to get caught up on Young Thug or anything like that, go watch the million dollars worth of game interview they did with him. It's fucking outstanding. And I love Thug. So I'm heartbroken. I hope he gets out. I hope everything's cool. But, like, that's too big a news not to touch. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't really know where we go from that. But, like, dude. Two of the biggest artists on earth both go down on Rico charges. That's some wild shit. Like, that's happening a lot in hip-hop right now. Casanova, the rapper from New York, just fucking pleaded guilty. He's getting 60 years. Fucking nuts. No, I'll only do, like, 40, probably. <laughs> Wayne going out to Rikers? Like, come on, let's bring it back, son. Yeah, I don't know. It's just getting real. But speaking of real... Than a phantom. We talked about <laughs> we talked about this last time, too, and this is the last thing we'll get into. But, Kenny, I think the fake shit is starting to go away because we talked about the Machine Gun Kelly thing like going elsewhere. He's going back to hip hop, but there's a lot of fucking great music coming out right now. A lot of great bands. I talked about Fontaine's DC. Uh, I talked about the arcade fire record, but I've been running into a lot of music. The Zach Bryan thing's one thing that I found, but even like Joey badass is dropping a new record. We got Kendrick back. Like, I don't know. It seems like everybody that was waiting for like the pandemic era to be over is now just like, all right, time to put out the fucking records, baby. Is there anything you found recently, Kenny? You'd have to come back to me, but yes, I always find new stuff, but it's going to be a good summer, man. Like, like you said, it's like people took time off during the pandemic. Cause not there's people who made records right before the pandemic and then decided to hold them. There's yep. people who decided to make records during the pandemic. And then there's other people who decided to take time off during the pandemic. And then once things started to come alive, maybe start to build something. And I think Kendrick kind of falls into that, that world there. Um, no, I don't really have anything new worth mentioning honestly great great i'm glad that you really went on that diatribe and had nothing to give me it's all old shit. everything that i've saved recently is all old shit del the funko funky homo sapien fugazi fucking etta james oh let's go dave how about you buddy you've been on the road a lot recently yeah i have been and i forwarded kenny a couple of (laughs) so one one is joanne shaw taylor i was driving in nebraska and fucking immediately after this i got pulled over and got a speeding ticket. Um, I'm lucky I didn't crash my car into the ditch because I was texting Kenny as I fucking <laughs> was getting pulled over. But um, uh, Joanne Shaw Taylor, it's like fucking bluesy to the max. And I was like, this is fucking outstanding. I'm like, I bet Kenny would like this one. And I sent it to him and they go, listen immediately. And he goes, responds two minutes later, hate it. <laughs> uh <laughs> I don't remember it or remember why, but I don't I don't remember why either. I haven't listened to her since. And then another one. Um Uncle Lucius and You Are Me. Ooh. Uh Keep the Wolves Away. I mean, this is basically what the fuck we've been listening to. He go, okay, this one. He's like, this is pretty okay. Good tones and good sounds, but like heard it a million times. Uh that one, all right. I I do remember thinking like and he goes very I said very redundant. It was pretty redundant for whatever it was. Um and then I started listening to the Viagra Boys. Let's go. Yes. Uh, good. I liked them a lot. I don't. That wasn't great road tripping music, so I got bitched at for it. <laughs> um, I did listen to Wet Leg. Yes. And Sleaford Mods. Like I wasn't even gonna try that. Yeah. Yo, mods, dude. You're, come on. Okay. If you're not in a car, a, you, yeah, you're in a car full of fucking people that aren't like music heads, and you throw on Sleaford Mods, and it's yeah. like fucking Cockney punk British shit. They're like. What are we doing here? They would shit down my throat if I tried that. Anybody who's listening to this podcast, don't ever forget, White Sox Dave has impeccable taste in music, and I don't care what Kenny says. Somebody fucking normies. Well, I I, I am a normie. He's a normie. I, He's a normal guy. But, like, I, I'm trying to... Ex- 
I'm trying to learn what makes a good song, like at its core. And and this whatever fucking chick I sent him, redundant as shit, but like at least from my perspective, her on the guitar was like fucking incredible, like blew my hair back. Look, at the end of the day, I think most of the shit that you've sent me that I didn't like, what was the reason? Is I've heard this before. I've heard mm, this before. For sure, like, definitely. Everything that I look for, Sleaford, Viagra, all this shit, is shit that you haven't heard before, not for a really long time. So for me, it's always like, have I heard this shit before in a million other bands? Or is like, yo, this is interesting. Yeah, Kenny has that producer ear where if it's not super interesting, it's really hard to get him on board on something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, you can send me, like, poppy shit, and I'll be like, this is tight. Like, I like this. But, like, Kenny has that, like, Fugazi ear where he's like, ah, this is fucking gnarly, dude. Those bass tones and all that shit. Hey, here's another cool thing. I gotta go. <laughs> all right, fuck you, dude. I know. It's good to see you, boys. I'll catch you after. Well, yeah, we'll text you later, and we'll see you next week. So, Don't fuck care. off. All right, yeah, get, get the fuck out of here. Uh, all right, so now that Kenny's out, let's go into our interview with the one and only, one of the most talented men that I know, Ben Thomas. Yeah! How you feeling? Yeah! You feel all right? All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list this week, we have multi-platinum, Grammy-nominated producer, engineer, man of many talents, Mr. Ben Thomas on the podcast. Ben, how are you, buddy? Good, man. Thank you for the intro. I appreciate it. No problem, man. It's all true. It's not like I made anything up. So congratulations <laughs> no, on everything. They all happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, all at the same time, too. And we're going to get into kind of like your multifaceted, kind of like a hyphenate situation you have. But I was like to start out with the, the most important topic here. We haven't had one of these on in a while, but you are a fellow Philadelphian. So I just want to start off. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I was actually born in New York, but I moved to Philly when I was uh, 11 or 12, somewhere around then. So Philly is definitely like home. That's where I grew up. You know, I went to high school in Philly. I went to college there. All um, right. As a, I'm from Northeast Philly. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Germantown Friends. Oh, did uh, you? Yeah. Nice. I went to Archbishop Ryan, so I'm, I'm like okay. far northeast, but okay. all right. Well, uh, good. I'm glad we don't have our LA people or our Chicago people here because they don't understand this kind of a connection. But I always ask this to like fellow Philadelphians, but like, what does the city mean to you? Like, what, what, how did it help propel Everything. you? I know it really, yeah. it, it's hard to explain, man. It really is, but try. Um, so moving there, high school and college, like going to, going to college in Philly, um, I think was the best thing I did for my career. Excuse me, um, because, you know, there are there other places where more music is made? Yes, you know, in L.A. or in New York or in Nashville or in Miami. Um, but for me, being like one of the only young people that was like trying to like make it in yeah. Philly, I, I got so much support and so much mentorship and opportunities. And I know I would not have necessarily gotten if I was just another 18, 19 year old kid in New York trying to figure it out. Um, and so I think that is. No, one of the main things, and then just the, the city has such a rich cultural history, um, not just music and art. It's such a creative place. It really, I think it's so underrated. And I've always said this, but I don't think there's a more talented place per capita. Of no like way. People from here, we produce so much talent to go to other places, but to have people stay and claim it and, and really lift it up. It's been this like switch recently where you start to see so many people like Uzi and Jasmine Sullivan and, and Meek and just even on the rock side, the low cut Connies of the world. Like so many people that are from here that claim here and then live here. I don't know. It just means so yeah. much to me. And to watch someone like you just continue to elevate and do great things, man. As an onlooker from the outside, it's been amazing. So I just want to say thank you for everything you're doing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I love to tell people that like, 
there's not a single artist that's touring right now that doesn't have somebody from Philly in their band. Facts. Impossible. Facts. Every yeah. award show, Super Bowl, all-star game, that whole band, all those people, you know, shout out Adam and all the work he's done and stuff, you know? I mean, even people like Arnetta Johnson who just like are, are out here doing every, like playing the, the talent here is undeniable. And to watch you, yeah. like I said, like you have, you've worked with so many people from the city between Uzi and Meek and Jasmine and everything. By the way, congratulations on the work you did on the Jasmine album. Cause I know Thank that. You. I appreciate that. Dude, I, I appreciate that. I remember being like a kid and Jasmine being on like MTV jams and being like, holy shit, that's someone from Philly. And she's just out here killing it. But I do have a question kind of based yeah. off of that. Cause you've worked with all these big names. What was your first, Oh shit moment where like you were, something happened or you got a call or you work with someone where you were like, Oh my God, I'm actually yeah. doing this. Um, so it's actually, uh, my friend Rel has it on video, which is fun. Um, so I had been, I've been working with Jasmine for uh, probably almost a year at this point. Um, nothing had come of it so far. Um, <clears throat> I was also, I was pretty young. So I think I was like 19 or 20 at this point. Um, and then I had, you know, we did this song called Insecure for the TV show. Um, and I had made an edit one time and I had a friend over when I, I had to make an edit on the song. So he heard some of it. And then, <clears throat> fast forward a couple months he texted me at like three o'clock in the morning you know like congrats like on the song coming out and I had no clue um and so then I, I looked uh on YouTube and I heard it and I just started freaking out because it's like it's the first like really large song I had worked on um and then like I like opened up my Pro Tools session and I was like playing on YouTube and I was like playing I was like I had to compare I had to make sure they didn't like take off all this you know yeah. <laughs> like review it so so that was probably the first moment um for sure have you always been that way with audio? Like, I think this is like one of my big things because I can't produce, I can't engineer. It, that side of my brain does not work. I'm a songwriter. I do like the bass work and then I let other people who are more talented in that facet take it and do what's necessary. Mm -hmm. Like, have you always been an audiophile? Have you always been someone who wanted to be more on the production engineering side or did you ever have like artist aspirations? Um, I think I've always just loved computers. That's what it comes down to um, and technology from when I was younger. Uh, I played in a band when I was in high school. Um, really? So, yeah, yeah. What was the band called? I don't remember. I don't even <laughs> really had a name. Um, I, we, um, so my high school had this thing um, called Coffee House. It was essentially like an open mic night type yeah. thing. And so we were like the house band, but then we also like wrote some songs outside of that and stuff. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, played a lot of like, covered a lot of Weezer songs, a lot of modest <laughs> mouth songs, like that type of, music you know um Dude, that's fitting for you know my age yeah I, I was gonna say i feel like i can tell you're a dude who's all over the place musically like i, yeah, I, I sure. even looked at like i know you worked on a who was the huge country album you you had a hand in i know i worked on um i worked on this country album uh ingrid andres's country Actually, album yeah. yeah how did um, that come about uh, i spent some time as an assistant engineer for um a mixing engineer so. oh okay um, yeah, but all right. So, so back to kind of like the audiophile side of you, like, yeah. when did you start diving into the pro tools world, the engineer, the producer? Yeah. So I, um, I first got introduced to it when I was in seventh grade. So this is 2008, 2009. Wow. Um, I, there was a play like at, at my school, um, you had to be involved in the play. I, I didn't want to be on stage. So I slowly got introduced to some of the audio visual equipment and stuff like that um, with the teachers that were running it. And then from there, um, I made a mixtape with a friend in ninth grade. Um, we used like the microphone from Rockman and GarageBand. Oh 
Yeah. <laughs> we, we recorded some songs in our math teacher's classroom and they were all really bad. But that was kind of like the introduction. And then from there, um, I went to Grammy camp, which is a music camp run by the Recording Academy um, when I was in high school. And then that experience helped me convince my mom to turn our, stu- our basement into a studio. And then it just kind of all progressed from there. Are you from a musical family? No. No, not at all. So not was even, your mom kind of like, how the fuck did this happen? Uh, she's just a, the best person ever and is very supportive of anything that I want to do in any dream. So uh, she saw the progression and the work ethic um, early on. So she was a supporter of it and she still is. Man, that's the literally the most important part in all this is having people in your life. Like for any young musicians listening, like having people like that in your corner is so important. So I want to give a shout out to your mom first. Of yes, all. yes. <laughs> Which is such a weird thing to say. It could be taken oh, shout out moms, man. Shout my mom's mom, great. You know, oh, I love my mom, dude. This is great. Yeah. I love it. Almost Mother's Day. You know, I, I love my mom. I talk to her every single day. When uh, when you started to to get into that, right? When you start to get into that engineering world. How frustrating is are those early years of trying to learn the different DAWs and things like that? Like, did you have a learning curve? Or did you pick this up pretty quickly? Oh no, I had a. Uh, I, I think so. I started off using logic um, and reason. Yeah, like reason four. <laughs> um, like reason before it had before you could use like third party plugins in reason, like that version of reason. Um, and but when I had to, um, I had to make the switch to Pro Tools. Because uh, at the time, I was learning from another amazing person in Philly um, named Typewriter. She's a songwriter and probably one of the best engineers I've ever met. But she had been using Pro Tools probably for 10 years before I even started. Yeah. Right? And so in order to continue to collaborate with her, I had to learn it and I had to get it. Um, and that first, I mean, I remember sitting in the basement like in tears because I couldn't figure it out. Um, but I think I can't. I can't really pinpoint like in my brain, it just went from like sitting in the basement crying to like being halfway decent at it. I don't really remember the middle. I think that's kind of how any skill is like, even if, you know, if you're learning to play the guitar, like you have those first early frustration days and then it kind of like, I feel like the learning kind of goes like this. It like, it's here and then like shoots up and then it kind of like plateaus. Oh yeah. I feel like I'm at the plateau part of it now. Um, We're still learning new stuff every day. You almost like black out those middle periods where it's like, okay, like now I remember being okay at it. But like those, those middle periods, like I think I learned how to play the guitar so young that like those, those times don't even register to me. But like, I personally have never been able to figure out the entire, like the engineering side is just a different side of your brain. Yeah. Like, have you had, have you ever had the experience of teaching somebody else the tools and you realize quickly? Um, I am not. I, I, I love to teach. I love to share knowledge. Um, education runs in my family. You know, my grandmother was a college professor, you know, like multiple, all my aunts work in, in education and stuff. Um, but I, I can't teach somebody the basics at this point. Right. Um, I've been using Pro Tools daily for since I've been using Pro Tools daily since 2013 or 14 at this point. Right. So I am so far removed from the basics. I couldn't teach them to you just because I, I don't even remember like, okay, when you first get it, you need to change this menu setting and that menu setting. I've, I've had the same license for seven years at this point, you know? So I'm very adamant. I also, I personally don't believe that somebody should teach you the basics. I think those early periods of frustration are very important. Um, I think there's so much great resources on the internet. I, and I think, um, 
in something, you know, like engineering, where even if you go to the best school in the world to do this, you're still going to have to start off an intern in the studio. I think mm. it's important to show that initiative, which to me looks like learning how to do it yourself. Now, if somebody asks me a specific question, I'll gladly, I have no secrets, right? I'll answer questions. I'll show you templates. I'll show you tips and tricks. And because people showed me those things, I didn't make them up out of thin air. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so I'll gladly share all of that. But when it comes to the basics, I'm not the one to ask the basics. You articulated so many things in that like little period right there that we talk about in this podcast all the time because this whole thing started because White Sox Dave from Barstool Sports asked me how to teach him how to play the guitar. And I personally, I learned when I was eight by my ear. It's so far, you couldn't even, yeah. It's like, you almost think in shorthand at this point. You know your way of doing things. And it's like, I'm probably not the guy to teach you, but I might know some people who are. And then you, you even brought up something great there too about you know, no matter where you learn, you are going to have to cut your teeth and intern and things like that. And that's exactly uh, one of our other co-hosts is Kenny Carkey from the band AWOL Nation. Yeah. And uh, he got his start in LA interning and top lining for people and then met Aaron from AWOL. And then the amount of information you just disseminated to other artists is so important. And it seems like that's kind of like, even if like teaching might not necessarily be your everyday thing, like you seem like a kind of guy who like wants to disseminate information to new artists yeah want to do what am i gonna do with it i'm gonna die with it like <laughs> whether there are there are there are people that had no real reason to help me to help me like like why did they help like out of the goodness of their heart they, there was no true benefit to them to help me you i know think what I mean? that all the time dude yeah all the time so, my grandmother you know um used to always say, you know, if I could help somebody in this life, then my living wasn't in vain. And I think about that all the time, you know. Um, that I'm, I'm always down to help, you know. Um, like I said, just I can't help you with the basics because I don't remember them. Like I had a situation the other day um, where um, Uzi was sitting at the computer going through songs and I was trying to show him how to open a different folder. And I was trying to be like, okay, press this arrow and, and I told him the wrong things. I was like, I just have to do it. I was like, I can't even explain it to you. I, even when I'm recording, I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. The minute I started thinking about what I'm doing is when I start messing up. I'm not like, even thinking about it at this point. That's like athlete. That's like athletics too. It's like in baseball, yeah. the second you start thinking about hitting the baseball, you're fucked. Like you can't, you, like when you think it's, it's game over, you just need to be trained to the point where you can just fucking make it happen. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's about. Really. It's about like, you have to put those reps in, you know, Um, you have to put the reps in in private because you don't want to accidentally end up in a situation where you haven't put in enough reps and you're not prepared and then you make yourself look like a fool and you have to put in those all of those hours beforehand you know and you have to constantly sharpen your skills I'm you know I spend upwards of a thousand dollars a year on higher education to get better at my craft whether that's different website subscriptions buying different plugins and trying them out like you know, watching videos and yeah. Do you think that the education is more necessary or is it actual experience? You have to, it's all about the experience. Um, you know, like you could, I didn't go to school and study engineering. You know what I mean? Um, you could go to, you could go to the best, um, you could go to the best school in the world and I still would rather the person who, and you can know everything about Pro Tools. I'd still rather the person who interned in the studio for six months be in the room with me because it, it, it's not theoretical at that point. Like, and the theoretical stuff doesn't always work, right? Like, okay, 
this might be the way to do something. This might be the way by the book to do this. But I've done thousands of sessions and I know that doesn't work. That's the 10,000 hours, dude. It's the 10,000 well, hours. It's deeper than that to me. It's like, like I, I'll give you an example. I had, it, I had a situation where there was an artist who um, was rapping on a beat and there was part of the beat with drums and then there was kind of like a breakdown before the chorus without the drums. Right. And they couldn't rap on the breakdown part. They kept falling off the beat on the breakdown part, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody in the room suggested, you know, you should turn on the metronome because that's what, by the book, that's what you're taught to do. They're right. on the metronome. And I said, this artist, I can guarantee you, this, you know, this artist, is, he's a rapper. I can guarantee you he's never heard a metronome in his life. If I turn that metronome on, it's going to throw him completely off because he's never heard it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let him, either I have two options in that situation. Either. Option one is I'm going to just copy the beat Filter out the high end, put it under the part where there's no drums. Filter out the high end so there's no hi-hat bleed. Let him rap on it and then just take the drums out. So now he's, now he's rapping on the part without the drums on beat. Or I'll just let him keep rapping on this, get, his, get the emotion out, and then I'll copy it to a part that has the beat, line it up, put it back. And you would only know that if you had put the time in to get the yeah, experience. You only know that if you've been in a session before. Yes, you know, absolutely. Compared to the buy the book is turn on the metronome. This person's never heard a metronome. So that's going to throw the whole thing off. You know what I mean? I fucking love the way your brain works, dude. <laughs> I really do. Like, it, I just have done a ton of sessions, man. That's really what it is. I don't think, I, I don't think I'm like, I don't think I was like born to, you know, be a producer, born to like, I'm not, I'm not the world's best musician and stuff. Like, I don't, I don't think I was born to like be a producer, be an engineer. I just think I, I think my, what set me apart from my peers is I was blessed enough through some people believing in me that I, you know, had a studio in my mom's basement where I was, you know, having people come and pay $15 an hour or something when I was 15 and 16, 17. And then I started, I was blessed enough to intern at a studio at 18 rather than where people intern after they graduated, like 21 or 22. I I just had years of head start on other people my age. So I've just have done a ton of sessions. So it's not, it's, you know, it's the way I think about like Tom Brady, right. Playing Mm. football for so long. Right. There's only, but so many ways you can play defense in the NFL. Right. Especially with the rules changing. So if your body is still holding up and you feel like you've seen pretty much like Tom Brady has had to have seen every possible defensive scheme at this point. Yeah. So if you've seen them all, why not keep playing? Like, how would you not be the best? Cause you've seen every possible thing that they could do. That's the way I think about like recording sessions, especially with like rappers and singers and stuff. Like I, there's nothing in a session that, ha- that has happened. That I have not seen already. Nothing. Do you, is there anyone who you kind of like, eh, this is kind of a, like a cheesy question, but like, is there anybody you model your kind of career after or your work ethic or anybody like that? Like it's in the production the engineering game. Like there are the names that stick out right away. Like, is there anybody who you personally would say like, this is my blueprint or this is the person who I look to for kind of um, guidance? I mean, of course there's like the people, the well, super no, well-known people, but yeah. I, I'm more um, influenced by people I know that have helped me, mm. you know, um, somebody like Joe Logic, who's, the best engineer I've ever met. I wish to be as good as Joe is one day. Um, <laughs> you know, people like like Aunt Bell who helped me very early on. Um, my homie Cruz, who's been working with Meek for the past 10 years at this point. Um, he, you know, Joe taught me technical things that I wouldn't have learned. Shortcuts and, and different plugins and different ways to use different how to get fast he really taught me how to get fast not just by telling me stuff by just watching him and right. seeing what speed really looked like you know what i mean um 
And then Cruz taught me how to be a professional. Uh, you know, he's been working with Meek for 10 years and he taught me, I mean, I already, I already, because of my like more traditional background, I've done like businessy internships. Like I knew like that type of stuff, like how to like write a proper email. Like I know how to do that stuff, but how to be a professional in terms of dealing with, um, uh, celebrity 24 seven and, and dealing with them and, and people around them and, and how to have discretion and, and those type of how to navigate in the room. Like those are the type of things uh, I learned from Cruz rather than just like the technical side of things. I feel like I learned a lot of that from Joe and just kind of combining the two. That is such an important thing to say too, in that like, all right, so for given my background, like songwriting sessions in Nashville, right? Yeah. The first few times you walk in there, like you may be a good songwriter, but you don't know the ins and outs of the way that game works or the way that a session works. Exactly. Like, you, like come in, be prepared, know what you're going to do. Like you don't know that until you get in a room. So that's actually a really good way to put that, man. Like what was that? Was that also a learning curve in the perspective of like, okay, so you go from recording your friends to then working with like Uzi and, and Jasmine and Meek and everybody like that. Like is, is one of those things like people coming in the room, like, and not kind of nerding out when they walk in and shit like that. I've never been into that personally. But I like that. Me neither. I've never, I, there's, um, I've never been starstruck. There's nobody that could walk in a room that would have me. Uh, there's no one. There's not, not one person. person. Wow. No, the, the, I, the only time, so this is weird, right? There's no artist that could come in that would make me nervous. I, they don't make me nervous. Um, cause if I'm going to record a song with Beyonce, I'm going to record this the same way I'm going to record it with somebody from Philly. It's the same, it's the same template. It's the same shortcuts. It's the same. I feel comfortable. The only, the only time I, only thing that could get me nervous in a session is if another engineer or producer that I look up to is in the room. Because then I'm like trying to battle the imposter syndrome in my head of like, this person thinks I'm a fraud and they think I don't know what I'm doing. And they're going to like tell me that I'm terrible. Right. Right. Cause they know, like, you know what I'm saying? It's one thing like, the artist might know if the, if the vibe is off or, you know, if it doesn't sound right, but like this person is like not, and they're not paying me any attention, mind you. Right. Of course. Like, my head is like, they're staring at the screen and they're like, Oh, why is he using that plug? And if he doesn't know, he like, Oh, that's the wrong plug. <laughs> you know what I mean? So those are the re- those are the things that make me, that would make me, that make me nervous when those people are around. But yeah, I mean, dude, um, there's, there's two artists in the world. I always said like, if I met, I, I don't even think I'd be nervous. I would just cry. Like, they're just people that have impacted me on such a level. They don't know who I am or know me. And if I met Bruce Springsteen or I met Kanye West, I would just have so many questions and I would have so much to pour out and say, thank you for the music you've given me that yeah. I would, I don't think I'd know how to act. There's nobody else that could walk in a room and I wouldn't be like, oh, hey, man, how are you? Like, what are we doing? Those two people, I feel like I owe them everything. You know what I mean? I think for me, um, so many of my earlier experiences with like bigger artists were very casual. Mm-hmm. So like when I was working with Jasmine, we were working in her house, you know, and right. it was very chill and we're working in her house and, you know, I'm sleeping on the couch and her, her mom is cooking dinner and her mom <laughs> used to drive me back home. All that. So it was just so casual. And even, you know, spending the past, you know, two and a half years, um, you know, working with Uzi, you know, traveled the world together and, fell asleep on the same couch and like, you know, like it's, yeah, we've worked at studios a bunch, but we also pretty much live in the same house, you know, Mm. you know, like I've cooked dinner for him before. Like it's so it's, it's casual. You know what I mean? Was that relationship something that someone referred you to him or was it a chance meeting? Like how did that come about? Um, so, uh, through Jason, um, Berger, you know, um, Jason also represents some of the guys who uh, their collective goes by working on dying and they, right. they 
a lot of the production for him. Um, and so I had known some of them kind of through that, but um, when they were looking for somebody new, that was kind of how that, that referral kind of came about. We talked about this off air, but big shout out to Jason Berger. Represents both of us. For sure. Fuck Jason Berger. I love him. Um, <laughs> but no, because I find the Uzi thing interesting because you're working with somebody who, one, records so much. Obviously, yeah. he's keeping you busy. He's working with the biggest people in the world, but he's also such an original. Like, he, there's nobody yeah. else really who is Uzi. So, like, what have you learned the most from those sessions working with someone who, one, is so prolific and, two, just takes chances on everything? Um, I just try not to get in his way, really. Yeah. That's, that's it. I don't even, like... This is going to sound crazy, but I don't even like when, when I get a pack of beats from a producer, I don't even listen to them. Really? Cause I, yeah, because only, I'm only going to get beats from people I trust that aren't going to send me anything whack. Right. I don't even listen to them beforehand um, and like go through, because like, I know a lot of other people like go through them and then organize them and like, okay, these are this type. Oh, he's not going to like this. I don't do that because I don't want to influence his creative process by putting my judgment onto it. Right. So I might think this beat is trash. Well, not trash, because I'm not going to get any beats that are bad quality. Of course, of course. I might think that this is not his style, and then that might turn out to be the one he really likes. So I don't. that's why I don't listen to him first, because I don't want to put my judgment, because we have different musical interests. And, you know, um, he's always looking to explore new sounds. And there are some sounds that he explores that, if I'm being honest, I like better than other ones. But it's not really about me. It's about him. Well, that, that right there, what you just so, said, is what I've always found about engineers and specifically engineers, producers as well, but engineers specifically. Like we have our, for Foxtrot, we have Eric Bogax, works at a Splice House Sound in Philadelphia. Yeah. Who The thing I always find amazing about him is he never imparts judgment unless asked. And when I watch engineers do that, I've always kind of had this, because I don't have the ability to do that. I'm always intrigued by the ability to do what's best for the artist. And then when asked, give input, but like, did you, is that something you had to learn as well in an engineering like standpoint or was that something that um, always came natural? Jasmine was asking me what I thought in 2016 and I didn't say, I would never say anything cause I didn't know what to say because she's like the best singer ever. And I can't sing. <laughs> I'm a child and but she kept asking. And so then I, that, that showed me that she trusted what I had to say. Mm. Um, and so that's kind of how I started to develop that voice. Um, but in the day, like, I think that, um, I think that engineering in the modern sense is a lot closer to like production than it is to just like, I'm not just like pressing a button, right? Like I'm, I'm crafting the sonic sound of, of what somebody wants. Um, and so for me, I'm not a big, I, I, my least favorite conversation in the studio is what would it sound like if blank? I hate that conversation. I don't want to ever have it. If somebody's like, what would it sound like if this part was here? Well, let's just put that part. And that's, that's where this is to bring it full circle. That's where the hours and the training in pro tools comes because I can do these things so fast. We don't even have to think about it. what happened if we copied the course three times in the beginning. Okay. Boom, 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 done. Let's listen to it. Right instead of having some sort of theoretical conversation about what that would be like, let's just do it, listen to it, do a save as, okay, cool. We don't like that. Let's go back. You know what I mean? So I, I think for me, like my name's not on the front of the song, right? My name, my picture's not on the front. My, my name is on the back and in the credits. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not my song at the end of the day, right? Like, yes, it is my song and I'm, I'm proud of the things I've gotten to work on. And it, you know, it's a beautiful thing to, you know, be able to like order plaques that have your name on it and stuff like that's cool. Right. It's beautiful. Yeah. 
but these are my songs at the end of the day, you know, right. like I don't have to face the, the backlash on social media if they don't go over well. I don't have to go on the stage. I'm standing on the side of the stage. I'm not in front of the 50,000 people. So at the end of the day, like I've always, even whether it's in a recording context or a production context or a mixing context, like my job is to make sure that we get to the finish line in a technically correct way because I know that that's how you're trying to get your vision across. But outside of that, the details are kind of irrelevant to me. I don't argue with people about details. Now, if somebody's like, yo, I want all the bass to be on the right side. I'm not going to do that because <laughs> that's not going to get you what you want. Right. So let's talk about what it is that you're looking for. And let's, cause, because, you know, I, I understand that every artist is not going to be able to, like, I, I, it's unreasonable for me to think that somebody who's never used Pro Tools, whoever the artist is, is going to be able to explain exactly, okay, I need a phaser on this part. And there are some artists who can do this, yes. Right. You know, he's fairly good at this. He'll tell me what he wants. Low-pass filter on this part from this part or that. Like, cool, great, right? But I'm not expecting somebody to be able, I need a phaser on this part. I need to do, like, they're going to just say something and I need to interpret what that is. So you're saying, I want the bass on the right side. Maybe we want the bass a little bit wider. Okay. We can make the bass wider. If we put the bass on the right side. It's not going to give you what you want. Right. But outside of that, if somebody's like, yo, I need them ad libs to be 3dB louder. I'm not arguing you down on that. <laughs> Fine, it's not my song. If that's what's going to make you happy. Like I learned, somebody told me this very, very early on, right? Like you first start mixing songs, you're mixing songs to make them good. Right. You're, Cause you're, you're still learning. We're all still learning, but you're still trying to get something good. But once you get past the point of like, you've been mixing songs for other people and you have, you know, decent clientele and, and people are, are coming to you, like, um, and you know, you can make something sound, you, you can't make anything sound good. You can make it sound better than it did before. Right. right? Now you're mixing to get it approved. Mm. Whatever gets that thing approved. That's what, that's when I'm mixing a record, I already know I'm going to make it sound good, but I'm mixing to get it approved by whoever is approving it. Right. That's my main goal. And so if, if getting this thing approved means these ad-libs need to be 3DB louder, but they're still in a good spot, but that's not exactly where I would want them to be, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's not up to me. So it's fine. I'll turn your ad-libs up. It's all good. You're, here, you're there to serve what does the song the most good and what makes yeah. the artist happy in, it, in that perspective. Makes that, what, what makes all the stakeholders happy. Right. You know? and, and that is a man who's working on a business level who just said all the stakeholders because... Yeah, back- well... It's all the stakeholders, you know, like um, when you, when you're mixing records for labels, there are, uh, uh, I, there are a good amount of times where you don't even talk to the artists. Of course. You know, I, yeah. I just mixed a song on Pooh Shicey's album. It's Pooh Shicey, Uzi, and Gucci Man. I had no conversation with any of them. Me and the A&R went back and forth about the changes and he was maybe in communication with them. Maybe he wasn't, I don't know, but he is the stakeholder that's approving this. So I need to make sure that He's good, you know. Man, you got your head on your shoulders, dude. You really do. And, and, and this is cool. Like, once again, this is someone that I've, you know, admired from a distance in a certain perspective. And, and to get this much information, and especially on something that I personally find fucking mind-blowing. The engineering and production side is just crazy to me. So any future producers, any current producers, engineers, anybody, listen to this goddamn interview and take <laughs> the gems because it's important. And I, before we let you get out of here, like, I do have a couple different, like, rapid-fire questions. Yeah, let's do it. Who's your first inspiration production-wise like growing up? Ryan Leslie, when he was making them YouTube oh, videos. Oh, yes. <laughs> When he was making them YouTube videos, I was wearing sunglasses inside trying to be cool like that. Oh, my God. Just wearing a suit, walking from congas to drum set to a bass, like doing Diamond Girl. Holy yep. shit. Yep. All right. That's a great answer. Shouts out Ryan uh, Leslie, by the way. I, I worked through- for him for a little bit, actually. Did you? And I did when I was in college. I did. 
I went to his talk at Rack a couple of years ago. I remember that. Yeah. So I I worked for him and then I introduced him to Will and that's how they kind of that's how you got involved with Rack and stuff. Well, we didn't even mention Rack yet, but Dave and Will, I love you very much. And Scarlett yeah, and everybody too. over there. Um, who's an artist you want to work with the most that you haven't gotten your hands on a record yet? Nobody. 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 You, if you I, I, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. If you could, if you had told me that I would have done all these things and I would have made a song with Jasmine in her bedroom that would have been on an album that won a Grammy or if I would have gotten a chance to travel uh, the world with Uzi, you know, after he was working with somebody for such a long time, like I would have never believed any of that. So I don't try not to box myself in and think about that. I mean, the only, there's only one artist that I'd ever want to work with again. And it's my friend Deja who unfortunately passed away a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only person I'd ever want to work with again. So that's unfortunately not possible. So there's nobody. Dude, I think I told you this already, but I love you. I want you to know that. <laughs> yeah, man, I appreciate that. All right, so last one on like a rapid fire thing. And this is always something we talk about in a songwriting perspective, but like being in the room when something magic happens. Like, has there ever been a moment when you were engineering something or you're working on a session and you're like, holy shit, this song is going to be a smash? Like, is there any one moment where you were like working with Jasmine or Uzi or anybody like that where you're like, holy fuck? Um, yeah, I mean, probably. Um, you can hear it pretty quickly when songs are good. Of course. Um, I think I'm just... I just think about like all the other things outside of that. So maybe that clouds my judgment. Like yeah. there are great songs released every day that nobody hears, you know what I mean? So it's really like, it's about, it's so much more. And then, but then there are also songs that aren't that great that do well, you know? Um, so we, we uh, live in the TikTok era. Yes. I know that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I try not to, I try not to impart judgment on that. You know, I, I there's some music that's out there. That's just not for me. That doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean bad. I don't, I try not to use the terms good and bad because it's all relative. You know, it's just not for me and that's okay. Uh, what's um, something, what's but something? Yeah, I mean, I've been. No, after you, after you, after you. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I've been, I've, I definitely have been in the room when, when magic happens. It's usually just about the people, you know, I like being in the room with people that are cool and, and making cool songs. Um, I think, and this, people know this, but they might not want to admit it. And I'll admit it. Like you also have been around when you know a certain song is going to be good for your career, whether it's good or not. I knew when we did a song for Justin Bieber, I was like, Oh, this is out of here. And now I have a double platinum back (laughs) off of it and a Grammy Grammy nomination to off of it. Like I knew from the jump, I was like, Oh, this is the out of here. (laughs) The song's cool. It's not like the world's best song. It's cool. Yeah. But I was like, oh, this is a song with Justin Bieber. Like, this is, we're out of here. I knew, I knew it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. there's no shame in admitting when you know you just did something that you're like, okay, well, this just takes you things do tons of features. And I truly, I, I don't think about them. I turn the files in, I send them off. It is what it is. They come out, they don't. It happens. I called his manager and I was like, when is this coming out? Because it wasn't, it was on the deluxe. So, when the regular album came out, I was stressed. Mm. I called him, I said, what happened? <laughs> like, that's weird. And then, <laughs> the deluxe is the only time. <laughs> I was ever like, yeah. Well, so I think it's also because um, Justin Bieber's uh, engineer, Josh Goodwin, mm. is the, the best. And I, I've looked up to him for a while, you know, getting the opportunity to collaborate with him and getting the opportunity to, you know, speak on the phone with him about, you know, the song and about other things. And that was awesome. So it was all just kind of. I mean, Ben, this was everything I could have asked for. This is a great fucking interview. I really appreciate the time. Do me a favor. When you get back into Philly, let's grab a drink sometime. Please, just, please come by the studio, man. Will do, please man. Please come by the studio. Well, everybody, go listen to everything Ben has worked on. Keep up with this man because he's all over the place. I can't thank you enough for your time, dude. Let's talk soon, all right? Yes, thank you, man. I appreciate it. 
All right, so that was our friend Ben Thomas. Go check out everything that he's done. Get ready for that new little Uzi album. Stream his entire discography and keep an eye out for what he has going on. Bright future ahead of him. Young dude, really badass Philly kid. Love him. Uh, All right, so Kenny's gone. Thank the Lord. I got Ace in the background over here. I can see him. Uh, Let's go into on the list, off the list before we get out of here. Uh, My on the list is J. Cole. Oddly enough, we brought him up earlier. He met a fan. She was in high school like 10 years ago, right? And uh, he basically, like, she was like, will you send me an autograph, whatever. She's from the Philly area, and he was basically like, graduate college, and I'll come to your college graduation. She just graduated from Rowan University, and who shows up at the graduation? Jay fucking Cole. That's fucking sweet. I love that. So cool, dude. He is the most normal, down-to-earth guy. Like, keep your promise like that. Something you said, like, years ago, and you, like, followed up on it. That's badass, and that's why Jay Cole's on my list. He's the I man. love that shit. That's that's a great story right there. He's the best, dude. Um, and I mean, you know, one of my favorite rappers, but just on a hum- human level, mm-hmm. Jay Cole's the kind of guy you always see these pictures of him in New York, and he rides the bus. Dude has like hundred million dollars in the bank, and he rides public transportation because he's just a normal guy. He rides bicycles and shit. He's a great, dude. Shout out Jay Cole on my list. Dave, who's on your list? Uh, Kenny Karki. Ew. Why? Um. We were, so I was in Boston this past weekend for White Sox, Red Sox, and I had a girl with me, not to brag, and uh, we were at a fucking dive of all dive bars. It was sweet. I love those shitty little dumpy bars, and it was probably, I don't know if, so everything closes at 2 a.m. there. In Chicago, we have bars that are open until 5 a.m. I don't know if that's how it is in Philly or anything, no, but. 2 o'clock, hard shut off. So 2 o'clock, it was hard shut off, and it was just me, her, two bartenders and maybe a straggler person or two in there. And once those two straggler persons left, like we're getting ready to leave to call and we were head back to the hotel or whatever. Uh, the bartender came up to me. He's like, uh, he's like, is your boss out here? I'm like, and I kind I assumed I knew what he was getting at. And uh, he, I'm like, Dave Porno. He's like, yeah. And it, like the entire time we're talking to this guy all night, uh, didn't say a word about it. And it's just shoving shots in our faces. It was awesome. And he, he let us stay there with just him and the other bartender for an extra hour while the doors were locked and everything. Oh, that's awesome. And then he's like, all right, we're going to start playing some real jams. What did they play? Sale. No Sale. way. So I'm like, fucking, I got to call Kenny. I got to call Kenny. So I FaceTime Kenny, immediately get the fuck you button. And then I, I just text him, oh, answer your FaceTime, asshole. So I FaceTime him again. He answered. I put him on. I'm like, yo, dude, this guy fucking wrote this song. He's like, no fucking way. And his gross ass Boston accent and everything. Yeah. Uh, but he tried to give me the fuck you button. And in the end, he he answered. So he he's is on the, my guest list. He is the fucking worst with that. Like, if you call Kenny, dude, you you could be on fire or something. Oh yeah. And you he call, ain't answering. He's not answering ever, ever. And you have to text him back and be like, "This is important. Answer your fucking phone." Then he will. But if you think that if he like if you're just calling to bullshit with Kenny, he will fuck you button with no remorse at all. That's kind of, that's how I am too with phone calls for the most part, but it's, it's 2022. Yeah. Text work. If you're calling someone in 2022, nine times out of 10, it is something you need to like speak to immediately. You know, if I get a phone call from somebody, I instantly assume something went wrong or someone died. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It usually is not a good tone when you get a phone call. Uh, but damn, Kenny's on the list, dude. I'm glad he's not here to. Br- I mean, he's been him. off my list plenty of times, so That's I'll give true. the kid. Uh, I'll I'll toss the kid a bone. That's true. Uh, my off the list are Ubers. I have a confession to make. I get violently carsick every time I'm in an Uber. Like I cannot be a passenger in a car. Like I'm like a little kid. 
Like I start spinning. Like I have to hang my head out the window. I was in uh, Clearwater, Florida for my boy's bachelor party. One of my best friends since I was a kid. We took Ubers for four straight days everywhere. I legitimately, I went to the first night we were out. I went to the bar and made myself throw up. I wasn't even drunk yet. Anything like that. I just fingers down the throat and we're at this like big outdoor club thing. And like literally what had happened was I ate like nine slices of pizza and then got in the Uber. I got out and everybody was like, you want a beer? And I was like, yeah, dude, buy me a beer. Ran in the bathroom, fucking projectile vomited pizza out. So I hate Ubers. I'm done with them. Hate them. I can't deal with the car sickness. Doesn't matter. I could take Dramamine, whatever. It doesn't matter. I fucking throw up every time. You're Disgusting. a pussy, Colin. I am a fucking total. You know that I'm about me. I'm, no, but I'm a total pussy. You know that. I mean, I'm a total pussy. So, I mean, I, I won't get car sick in Ubers. Yeah. You're like, you don't, have you ever puked in one? Cause that's like a, they'll charge you. Like they, you don't have a choice either. They'll just run your cart immediately. I, I just to save time, I'll make this a quick story. Uh, a buddy of mine had come back from the military. We were downtown and uh, it was like a bunch of my boys. And uh, I went to a bar where I know the bartender was giving a shot, shot to tell him more do. I did a bunch oh, of them. Right. Cool. So, we get in an Uber right after that, legitimately right after that. It was a big-ass Escalade. I'm in the third row. And as soon as the car started moving, it started. the world just started rotating. And I was like, yo, Bruce, put your window down. He was like, what? And before he could put his window down, I just fucking projectile puked, told him we're doing water all over the floor of this car. And all my boys were like, oh, what the fuck? And I was like, yo, be quiet, be quiet. Because I was in the third row. Guy never was going to notice. So he didn't notice, which is banging. So we get to my buddy Bruce's house, and... uh I throw up in the backyard. I'm fine. We hang out, have a couple more beers. Me and my wife call an Uber. And the same dude came and picked us up. <laughs> same Uber came and picked us up. I got in the front seat this time, right? And uh, he's like, hey, man, how are you? And I was like, hey, man, what's going on? And he's like, how's your night? And I was like, about to be a lot better than yours. <laughs> it's funny when you check that third row. You asshole. I didn't say that. I didn't say that in my head. I was thinking, yeah, like, Yo, of course you, you were. That you third got row, to. It's, it smells like a bottle of fucking whiskey back there. So, this is a long-standing thing with me. I am a child in the car. I cannot be a passenger. But Dave, who's off your list? Uh, off my list is um, the Iowa State Police. Uh, <laughs> so here's a, here's a question: How if you're driving on like the New Jersey Turnpike or Pennsylvania sure. Turnpike or whatever, an interstate, yeah. like coast to coast I-80? Yeah. How fast are you driving? Between seventy-five and eighty. I was going 80 miles an hour in a 65, five miles from the Illinois border or Nebraska border. Yeah. And immediately once you get over the border, it goes up to 70. Yeah. Uh, he pulled me over and he, he gave me a ticket. What an asshole. But it, it's like, dude, 80 is not speeding. I know, I know technically if you want to go there, it is. Yeah. So is 66. Facts. That's not fucking speeding on the interstate, man. Me so, and you. But, we rolled down the windows. I had all my hunting gear on, not gear, like a camo hat and a camo hoodie. You're covered in mossy oak from head to toe. I, I was covered in mossy oak. <laughs> and he's like, oh, where are you guys going? And uh, we're like, we're going turkey hunt in Nebraska. And we had like camera equipment and everything. And he gave me, gave us a double take. And he's like, you're the Barcelona Chicago guys. Oh, what? And then he started talking like we were going to be best friends. And I'm thinking we're going to, all right, well, he's going to, you know, let us off. Let us slide. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, all right, well, uh, have a good day. I got to, you know, write you a ticket, though. You're going a little too fast there, uh, White Sox Dave. And I'm like, you fucking dick. What's the and point then, of working for Barstool if you can't get out of tickets? Come on. 
Like, I wasn't even trying to get out of the ticket. If he would have just, like, fucking shut up and been like, yeah, you're driving too fast, I'd have been like, whatever. $175. And I lost the ticket in the rental car. So I don't even know how to pay it. Check this out. I was coming back from New York. I was shooting the thing at Barstool HQ with Robbie. Came home. Long day of travel, whatever. I had to get ready for my flight to Florida the next day. I'm, like, deliriously tired. But I had to drive my fucking golf clubs to my brother's house across the city because we were taking one golf bag to take all the shit down, right? Coming back, I'm just driving down the Roosevelt Boulevard. A fucking red light camera gets me, goes off. Of course. Right? I thought I was good. A cop pulls up behind me, throws his lights on. I'm sitting there. It's like 2.30 in the fucking morning. Guy walks over, and he's a nice guy. Shouts out to the Philly police, whatever. He, he goes, he was like, man, I got to do this. The red light camera caught you. And I was sitting right there. I don't want to have to write you this ticket. And I was like, I get it. It's fine, dude. Don't. We've had a bad traffic week, Dave. Bad. That was my first ever speeding ticket too. I've gotten red light tickets, but those you can, it's one to five over yeah. the limit. So it could be a 30, you could be going 33 and you'll get a ticket. This is the first time I've ever in my life gotten a, a speeding ticket, like pulled over traditional style. I've never gotten a speeding ticket before. Yeah, I'm I got when, when I was like 16 or 17, I, I ran a stop sign, just California, like barely hit the brakes and rolled through it. I got a uh, speeding ticket for that or a ticket for that. But um, first career, that's 17 years of driving. I'm 33 now. So I got pulled out of a speeding ticket. I got pulled out of the cop car by a car one uh, by a cop one time. I was uh, driving back from Ocean City, Maryland, and I was late for work, working Dewey at a restaurant college. No, no, no. Ocean City, Maryland, just a straight up Ocean City, o- OCMD Beach. And uh, I was late for work. Cop pulls me over right around the corner from my job on the side of the highway. And he pull, he pulls over. He's got Dallas Cowboys fucking glasses on. So instantly I knew this guy was a piece of shit. And uh, he's like, uh, you know, your car's registration isn't isn't up or isn't good. And I was like, no, it, it is. I, I paid it. It's fine. And he was like, it's not. And I'm going to have to impound your car. And I was like, dude, are you serious? I was like, I, I have the paperwork right here. He goes, in my system, it says your registration isn't good. I have to impound the car. And I was like, dude, I'm dead serious. Like, I'll show you the shit right here. He opens my door and grabs my arm. And he's like, dude, I will drive you to work, but I'm impounding this car. That second, I think he like had the tow truck ready to go. Tow truck pulls up, puts my car up. And I was like, dude, I'm telling you, you're wrong. And he's like, if I'm wrong, you can come to the police station next week and I will personally apologize to you. He was wrong. I went to the police station with my mom because I was like 19 at the time, right? And I, she had to drive me there. And she was like, where the fuck is officer so-and-so? My mom's a badass dude. She was like, where the fuck is officer so-and-so? And he's like, I'm over here. And I was like, you were wrong, dog. And he was like, oh, my bad. Still got to pay for the impound on the ticket. And I was like, I thought you were going to do something about this, you motherfucker. What a fucking cock. I had to call the state of Pennsylvania. I had to call the police department, my insurance, all this shit. I go to the fucking impound lot and I'm like, this is bullshit. And there's this big ass bearded, like redneck guy behind there. And he goes, I was like, I don't want to pay for this. And he's like, you want the taxpayer to pay for your shit? He's like, fucking pay the fine. And I was like, I am the taxpayer motherfucker. And it was wrong. So damn dude. Now I'm going through like war stories here. Yeah. That, that one pissed me off for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It does not make any difference. I still paid $500 to get it out. Um, all right, that was a good episode. I'm happy with that one. We got a, another great episode next week with R. Kells. I got new music dropping tonight. We have some new content ideas coming up. There's a lot of shit moving over here. Uh, if you haven't yet, please go subscribe to the YouTube and check out the video with me and Robbie Fox at Barstool HQ, yep. Breaking Down American Idiot. Great uh, fucking episode, and I'm not even a Green Day fan. Thank you very much. No, that was sick, dude. Robbie's a great guy, and that, that was a fun experience. That was a good time. Um, hope to do more. Uh, David, anything else for me? That's it. Uh, that's fuck it, the Yankees. All. Fuck Green Day. Fuck Kenny. 
Fuck you. I'm Fuck out. You. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, tune in next week. Fuck you guys. We love you.